Yeah. Welcome everyone to First Principles Podcast. Today is the episode which is a bit of a follow-up of the previous episode uh, which was focused on uh, the carnivore diet and a uh, alternative to the carnivore diet and specifically looking at the um, carbon footprint, energy footprint, water consumption, all that kind of stuff associated with those diets. And in continuation from that, this episode is going to look at some different alterations to those diets, specifically a vegetarian slash vegan specific diet and also a cricket based diet. Yes, we're going to look at how these two different diets um, impact the your carbon footprint, what are the water consumptions, the energy consumptions, land consumptions associated with them. And uh, yeah, uh, any any thoughts going into it, uh, Elliot? Well, you know, this whole concept of breaking down, you know, our diets into their energy consumption has been something I've been fascinated with for a while. So uh, I'm just curious to see uh, what the results will be when we start to add in things like insect protein and just stepping away and taking out animal uh, products altogether. That's will be interesting to see some of the stats here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I guess the whole reason that we were interested in looking at insects or crickets more specifically is that, you know, it's been kind of talked about as an alternative to getting a lot of our proteins and our calories, Mm -hmm. you know, as an alternative from whether it's chicken, beef, pork, whatever it may be, just because the fact that they're so dense in terms of energy, you know, they're little bugs, but they are really highly dense in protein, calories, uh, nutrients, so on and so forth. I'm not sure about the nutrients, but yeah. Oh, nutrients huge, actually. Nutrients huge, yeah, okay. All right, cool, cool. Uh, We'll get into that. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Yeah, so... When we look at this CO2 footprint, um, we have, we're gonna put up some graphs hopefully. Uh, but basically um, what I did was look at some of the um, consumptions of the CO2 footprint if you were to essentially have a diet purely based on a vegan, a vegan or vegetarian style of consumption so what does that mean you know you're eating a lot of nuts such as almonds we have uh, rice uh, potato cabbage those were kind of like the baseline things that we used and uh, when we're looking at the co2 consumption uh yeah so it's came to about 4.2 kilograms of co2 per day per person uh, so, you know, compared to the carnivore diet, you can see that's significantly less. So carnivore diet, again, was just a diet primarily con- uh, based off of beef. So if you were to eat beef as your entire calorie intake on a daily basis. Yep. Um, so a whole order of magnitude less, which is kind of what you would expect. It's in line with uh, my assumption going into it that the CO2 footprint of a, you know, purely vegetarian based diet would be much lower uh, than a carnivore-based diet, and uh, that's kind of like what we see. What we see here, um, and then any thoughts on the cricket side, Elliot? Yeah, uh, well, for the CO two for crickets, they um, they are actually less than both chicken and beef. So we look 
uh, I looked at two scenarios here. Uh, one where we I substituted the chicken portion of our baseline diet out with crickets. And, and if you don't know what Elliot is talking about, then you got to check out the previous episode. There's going to be a link in the description. Absolutely. The, check the it out. Chicken diet as the baseline diet. Sorry, go on, Elliot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so essentially for the mixed baseline scenario, we see that the CO2 uh, is a little bit less for crickets. Um, the data for... Uh, CO2 footprint for crickets is limited. There still needs to be a lot more research done um, in this area. So, but there was one really good source uh, I found where uh, this researcher did a life cycle analysis of cricket production in Thailand um, that seemed quite uh, thorough. Mm -hmm. And um, along with there's some rudimentary uh, statements on uh, websites uh, that are promoting their cricket bars and uh, cricket powder <laughs> and stuff like that. But yeah. Um, <laughs> Have you tried any of those cricket bars? I haven't. Okay. I haven't. Have you? Only uh, cricket chocolates, actually. Not any protein bars. So yeah. I'll definitely have to give that a try when I come across those. Yeah, same. I am curious now doing this research for sure. Um, but what we're seeing here for the CO2 footprint is about 4.7 kilograms of CO2 per day per person. If you were to do 100% of your uh, calorie or if you were to meet 100% of your calorie needs through the consumption of crickets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, th I think that's pretty interesting because it kind of highlights that all of the more or less the diets that we've looked at have been you know plus or minus within the same range of co2 emissions except for the carnivore diet you really see that one as just being significantly greater than the others where you know we have the for the for the vegetarian or vegan we have 4.2 cricket around 4.7 uh, you know, our chicken baseline around 5.6 and our carnivore just jumps up to 31. Um, so yeah, it really again highlights how it almost doesn't matter how you're doing it, but as long as you're not consuming too much beef, like that's really, um, I guess what I'm kind of getting at from the, the data that we've been collecting so far. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so looking at now the water okay the water consumption that was also something really interesting um you know how much water is something that we don't really always consider in north america because we're so abundant in water but i think it's a important metric for us to really gauge um you know for example places in europe it's much more expensive um the, the water cost there like the so people are really mindful of it because over there it's much more scarce it's mm -hmm. a scarcity right so the cost reflects that per person but over here but not so much so you know it's, it's an interesting number to think about and what we came across for the vegan diet uh specifically was that actually it resulted in greater water consumption than the vegetarian and chicken baseline from our previous episode so where we had 0.54 uh, Olympic size swimming pools, so that was the metric or the volume that we used. The um, 
yeah, the units that we use were Olympic size swimming pools. Um, but our vegan diet was actually more than uh, the chicken slash vegetarian diet or chicken with vegetarian combination, uh, chicken vegetable combination. So I don't know that that's kind of interesting to me. So, you know, even though the vegan diet might be less in terms of the CO2 consumption, it really does have a greater impact in the water consumption. And that really, I think, it was a result of uh, a lot of the nuts that you have to consume as a as an alternative so that was kind of like the baseline that i was using for my calculations where it was almonds hazelnuts um uh, those types of pecans uh, those types of nuts as an alternative for your calories because they are very calorie dense so you know you can meet maybe um 25 or 50 percent of your daily calorie intake from about 100 to 100 grams of almonds for example so it's a really great way of substituting your calorie intake if you're not getting it from meat um or, or other types of carbs from those nuts and um, but those nuts in turn have a much higher water consumption associated with them and we see that reflected in the numbers um, so, you know, sometimes when we hear people talk about the vegan diets and now, you know, they're better for the environment. Well, I don't know. I can I guess this really goes to show that it depends on which metric we're looking at. If it's in terms of CO2 consumption, okay, maybe, but in terms of water consumption, um, I don't know. The, uh, the jury's still out on that one from what I see anyways. Yeah. Yeah. But your diet, uh, is based on, what was it? 50% of your calorie needs per day were met by nut consumption yeah 50 yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah and, and 25 from different types of nuts yes okay so and we we did a breakdown on this um and what that equates to is about one of those plastic jug jugs of nuts you can get from costco which are about 1.1 kilograms and going through one of those about one the size of my head the size of your head, yeah. Big old head. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> there's a volume reference for one of one of uh trees heads here uh per week uh for entire year ahead of trees ahead, ahead of trees uh. <laughs> but so one of those jugs per week for an entire year actually over that one and a quarter of those so you know that's mm-hmm that's a lot you know decent amount for yeah sure. and for, on the cricket side uh i actually found that you know uh crickets require a lot less water to uh produce that you know roughly mm. there's some quotes out there that say that uh crickets require about 2,000 times less than beef when it comes to water and about 50% less than chicken. Mm. Um, with all that taken into consideration, when you substitute crickets for chicken in our baseline diet, um, our water consumption in terms of Olympic size uh, swimming pools reduces to about 0.4. That's compared to 0.5, 0.6, which we had for the baseline. Mm -hmm. So a little bit less. And mm -hmm. if you were just to go 100% crickets um you have about 0 0.65 uh 0 0.7 olympic swimming pools per year per person if you're meeting all your needs through uh the consumption of crickets um 
you know, again, as I said earlier, the research is scarce on this. And I've also had another number, which uh, is significantly less. We're talking only about um, eight meters cubed per year per person, which is like 0.003 Olympic swimming pools. Mm-hmm. But this, wow. again, that number came from the, uh, you know, a website that was advertising its cricket mm-hmm. energy bars. So. Sure. I'm a little bit skeptical of that number, but could be some screwy numbers. It could be some screwy numbers for sure. But uh-huh. generally, even just looking at, uh, you know, a lot of these hobby websites or uh, these blog posts and, and Reddit feeds that talk about uh, they're set up by people who who raised crickets. It seems that generally water needs of crickets are pretty minimal. Um, interesting. Interesting. So yeah, we do see some variation in terms of the water consumption associated with these various diets, but it's similar to the CO2 where they're more or less within the same ballpark, but then again, comparing it to the straight beef diet, you know, that's where you really see a significant change or a significant difference in the order of magnitude from the water consumption associated where, you know, for the carnivore, it was uh, up to two olympic size swimming pools but for everything else it's more or less around five six so again some variation but more in the same ballpark of values Mm. okay Hmm. so next next we looked at land okay what is the land uh consumption or the square area of land that's necessary in order to sustain each one of these diets so um for this one um we weren't able to find anything specifically for crickets or actually we found a little bit maybe uh, you want to go a bit more detail on that one sure yeah what i found was the area needed in terms of a container to raise crickets so crickets need about 2.5 uh square centimeters per cricket uh, which works out to about 1.3 meters cubed uh, squared um, for 5,000 crickets, which would be the amount number of crickets you would need to consume daily uh, if you were to eat uh, or if you were to meet 100% of your calorie needs uh, on crickets. Uh, the issue with this number is that it doesn't take into consideration the land area needed to uh, produce the food that the crickets are consuming. Right. Uh, so we're not going to compare this um, to our other values, but mm-hmm. something to note is if you were to raise crickets, they take about four weeks to mature. So if you wanted to have a continuous supply of them, you would need essentially a shed about three meters by three meters that had like four shelves on them of, of crickets. Um, so, it seems like a small footprint. Again, doesn't include the land area needed for their food, but uh, relatively small. Right, right. And it's like pretty much sustainable throughout, right? You're in, you're out. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Bless you. <laughs> um, and what we found was that um, surprisingly somewhat when we're looking at the vegan or vegetarian diet, it was uh, actually more land that it consumed in relation to our baseline chicken vegetable mixed diet. So for the vegan slash vegetarian diet, it was 0.1 
uh, hectares per year per person, whereas for the chicken and vegetable mix, it was 0.7. Mm. So a bit of a difference there again. Um, but again, significantly less than when we looked at the land consumption associated with the straight beef diet, which was around 2.8. But, I mean, I, again, when it comes to land consumption, I mean, that's a bigger net environmental footprint that your vegan diet is having versus your vegan and chicken or vegetarian and chicken mix which again might be something contrary to what you hear a lot of vegan uh, activists talk about and you know of course there's variations there's so many different alternatives and i mean if you guys have some alternative uh, suggestions that you guys would like for us to look at please feel free to leave them in the comments but again this was kind of based off of the land area use from using almonds walnuts hazelnuts those those types of things and uh, and you know these things do require a lot of agricultural space and they are demanding in that sense so again when it comes to the environmental footprint and sustainability of these different types of diets we see that similar to the water the land consumption is a bit higher for that vegan mix compared to a vegetarian and chicken mix so i don't know that i found that a pretty interesting finding when we were digging up the numbers and uh, if you guys want to double check our sources again please let us know we'll be more than happy to share them with you leave it in the comments and if there's enough of a demand or you know send us an email directly and we'll be happy to reply with our sources um but yeah i found that a pretty interesting finding for the land consumption that's associated with these different diets um and i guess finally and most interestingly mm. Perhaps we uh, moving on to the energy consumption oh, yeah. that's associated with these different diets. And um, I guess what was really fascinating that came out of it was that with the vegan vegetarian mix, um, it was a significant energy consumption that's associated with these diets. So with the, and, and specifically with the nuts. So what we found for almonds, for example, is that one kilogram of almond produ produced requires about 35 uh, to 29 megajoules of energy. So mega. Um, and then if you were to get, for example, based on our assumptions, uh, about 25% or even 50% of your daily calorie needs from almonds, for example, that's going to be a lot of energy that you're demanding. And specifically, we, um, you know, compared to like the carnivore diet in terms of the kilojoules per year per person, it was way more, way more, like a whole order of magnitude more, as uh, you guys hopefully can, will put up um, with our numbers. But for the carnivore, we have um, 152,000 kilojoules per year per person, whereas for the vegan mix, we have 1.3 million. So again, a whole order of magnitude difference. And um, that was kind of, kind of for me, like the most surprising thing, which was, uh, which is again, significantly higher for the vegan slash vegetarian, yeah, for the vegan slash vegetarian diet compared to like the carnivore baseline and also the chicken and vegetable baseline. I don't know. Like, what do, you, what do you think about that, Elliot? It's shocking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's really shocking. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, what did we find out about where these different energy sources uh, or energy, energy demands are coming from? It was primarily from 
the nutrient nutrients so yeah. for the fertilizer mm-hmm, exactly so for example for almonds what we found was that it was really heavy in the energy uh demand because it's really heavy in its nutrient use so nutrients being stuff like your ammonias your phosphorus so nitrogen's phosphorus and which is yeah your fertilizer to help you grow your crop and these are very energy energy intensive processes and you really see that reflected in the values so like again so if somebody tells you that the vegan slash vegetarian diet is the best for the environment like i don't know like some of these numbers have are really for me making me scratch my head and um making me question those those assumptions so i I don't know it's it's very yeah very interesting um, but you have to take into consideration that a lot of the uh, energy consumption is to do with the productions of nuts, like almonds and hazelnuts. Mm-hmm. If you were to get rid of those, when you look at the other components of the diet, mm-hmm. cabbage and, and other grains that right. we have, they're not as surprising. They are actually quite uh, right. less energy intensive. Mm-hmm. But it comes to you, it, the question becomes, you know you're going to need some or the argument could be made that you're going to need some uh, protein dense fat dense um uh, plant-based products in your diet realistically and where are you going to get those from if not from uh nuts um cheese (laughs) yeah i mean but again that's uh if you're vegetarian if you're vegan then i mean you're gonna be using nuts i guess right yeah like nuts um, potatoes i don't know it's uh yeah i don't <laughs> there's we're gonna, we're gonna have to do some more research on this one um but yeah sorry go on Elliot. no i was just gonna say that it doesn't seem to be uh you know a free lunch in terms of creating anything that has a high protein high calorie high fat content there's always going to be demands to, to create right. something that's dense exactly I guess, yeah, that's what really the lesson is that, you know, to get energy into a final product, whether it's a nut, uh, a beef, a chicken, a beef, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever, a cow, uh, you know, that takes energy input to get that energy output. So, I've, uh, yeah, that's what really these numbers have highlighted for me. And, you know, you might be paying more in terms, you might be saving in terms of co2 with one diet but then you know you might be spending more in terms of your water consumption or your land consumption so yeah it's really kind of i don't know kind of shows that maybe a a well-balanced diet of just your basic vegetables some chicken that's kind of like i don't know from what i'm seeing the the best not 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 the best but like it seems to be like the most reasonable kind of like a balanced diet of your greens your basic uh chicken protein that kind of stuff and you're good to go i don't know um yeah having that diversity is not just good for your uh well-being in terms of getting different nutrients that you need but maybe also for balancing out the uh, entire footprint of your diet um varieties the, uh, of spice of life spice yeah. of life yeah a <laughs> good point uh, um the other thing i want to highlight too which I think we spoke about before, but is very important is there is a lot of different practices out there when it comes to, uh, you know, slaughtering animals, to raising animals, to 
growing vegetables and these studies that we look at to get our values have had to look at a specific type of practice and derive their values and so there are places out there that are doing it better than others which result mm-hmm. in lower values and there's mm-hmm. places out there that are doing worse than others so yep. there is a lot of um it's a heterogeneous field that's right yeah yeah there's so much variation out there this is not to say by any means that you know this is the end all be all our calculations and we're definitely open to any suggestions that people might have again if you're interested to see where we got some of our values from feel free to email us we'll have a contact page um a link down below and um i'm not sure if you have anything else to add for this uh, elliot well, you know what I just wanted to point out, you know, we looked at crickets, which was pretty uh, strange. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought, uh, yeah. you know, it was uh, it's certainly a unique, unique way to get your protein. But mm-hmm. um, that's the perspective that I think is born from me being raised up, uh, yeah, in North America, because really there's about 2 billion people that eat insects world, yeah. worldwide. Yeah, so put it like that, yeah. You know, a third of the Earth population. This is not abnormal. <laughs> this is uh, a practice that people, uh, you know, you know, they do on a daily basis. So, yeah, get over the gross side of things and yeah. get into the actual um, benefits of eating insects, and not both just on their uh, nutrition side, but on on their uh, environmental footprint. It's a very mm-hmm. promising area that I'm yeah. uh, excited to see yeah, how, how, right. how it advances. And uh, wanted to, you know, I think we touched on this at the beginning. You were asking, you know, are they, uh, how do they, how do they stack up nutrition wise? Well, interestingly enough, I got a, a figure here that looks at mm-hmm. crickets uh, compared to ground beef and protein wise, it has about three times more protein mm-hmm. than ground beef, about the wow. same amount of fats, um, both saturated and non-saturated and there's a bit more carbohydrates uh, associated with the cricket, but you're eating the Your entire- legs and stuff, you know? Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. But by, by you yeah. know, not just eating the muscle, which we do when we, when we eat beef and stuff like that, you're getting all these different micronutrients. That's why you have them. They're high in vitamin Bs mm. and um, a, a slew of other vitamins. So mm-hmm. this is the benefit to, uh, to eating crickets. Interesting, interesting. I mean- Hmm. That definitely helps put things into perspective as well. Uh, you know, these are nutrient dense foods. And, you know, this the focus of this podcast isn't necessarily on nutrition and that kind of stuff, but it is worthy to note how rich in energy and nutrients these things are. And yeah, I mean, they could. I could definitely see it as being a, a fad that takes over North America, like you said, to a whole different part of the world. This is totally normal. And with globalization, with the global village that we're living in, it's, you know, it's easy to find videos of, I don't know, how to make a nice uh, cricket oatmeal dish or, I don't know, like, uh, (laughs) there's going to be a lot more exposure to those types of uh, different ways of thinking and different ways of living and eating and it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how things unfold. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I think the biggest hurdle they have in front of them uh, is, is, is making it palatable to, yeah. you know, your average North American, because you, you know, seeing a dead cricket 
in your oatmeal it's just yeah you know a lot of people are going to be turned off by this when they come mm -hmm. out with the beyond cricket burger maybe that's the move <laughs> yeah. you know you got to make it look like something yeah. people know yeah and, exactly. and that's gonna make yeah, it like appetizing a black bean burger or something you know like black bean cricket burger, burger. you gotta yeah. like inject it into the culture slowly like that you yeah. know <laughs> like first half of your black bean burger is gonna be cricket and then next thing you know it's gonna be a full cricket burger and Phew, we're gonna bite into it. I'm like, oh damn, this is this crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. It tastes just like beef. Yeah, yeah. It's got the same fat, right? It's got the fat, fatty nature. So you know. Yeah, yeah. That's what our bodies crave. That fatty goodness. Mm. So yeah. Well, okay. Uh, so that was first principles podcast, the cricket slash vegan vegetarian podcast. Mm um let us know uh down in the comments if there are any other the diets that you'd like us to look at and how those diets link to the carbon footprint the energy footprint those types of things we're always looking for good ideas and um yeah first principles podcasts our motto is breaking down from the ground up breaking it down from the ground up and until next time we'll catch you soon peace peace